What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and today I am going to explain how it is not possible to stream church and consider that to be church attendance. Okay, a couple of thoughts that may strike you from season three, Transformed. When I met with multiple folks, one of the things that was, it, it surprised me. I would ask people, hey, you go to church anywhere? And they would confidently say, oh, yeah, yes, I do. And it's like, oh, great. You know, let me hear. And this year we had people from all over the States. We had a couple of people that would say something like, hey, yeah, we go to church. We watch so-and-so. One lady said, I watched David Jeremiah and she didn't live in the same state as David Jeremiah's San Diegan church. I believe it's San Diego where he's at now. And I, oh, I didn't take that opportunity in counseling to say, well, technically... But here is an episode on the technicality. When you watch a service online, that is not the equivalent of participating in local fellowship in a church. So I want to start in our first segment by providing an overview of why I say that. And then in our second segment, I want to show you the counseling implications that come when we think that streaming a church service is the equivalent of us going to church. So let's start big picture. When we talk about the church theologically, we are talking about the organization that began in Acts chapter 2. Some of you who are theologians, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dr. Gifford. What about the called out believers of all time, as a Wayne Grudem might define it? Yes, there is the people of God, and the people of God have included the nation of Israel. But what you see in the Bible is that after Acts 2, there is now an actual term that is used. It is the gathering or the called out assembly, which is the ecclesia. I've even heard of churches that are calling themselves ecclesia community church. That's a hard one. That's the transliteration of the Greek term for church. And it's mostly translated as church or local assembly within the New Testament. So if you have your Bible, let's go to a couple of places where we see this used. I'm just going to reference the first one if you're taking notes or if you're reviewing this in some way, which is Matthew 18, 17. In Matthew 18, 17, Jesus says, if a person does not repent, then you go to them. If they don't listen, you bring someone else with you. And then if that doesn't work, you tell it to the church. There it is. That's where we get church discipline as a practice. Matthew 16, Jesus he promises that he is going to build his church. I will build my church, Matthew 16, verse 18, upon this rock. Peter is the one that confesses Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus says, yep, that is true, Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. A future tense. There is a future aspect of the church that is yet to take place. In Acts chapter 5, this is post-Pentecost. So remember in Pentecost, 
The disciples were in Jerusalem. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come as Jesus had promised. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up. He gives the sermon. People think that they're drunk because they're speaking in unknown languages. And he says, no, this is the fulfillment of Joel and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says that that day, there's roughly 3,000 souls added to the church. So when did the church begin? Somewhere around there. This is in Acts chapter 5, and the context is where Ananias and Sapphira lie to Peter. They hold back and manipulate the truth regarding how much profit they had from the selling of their property, and they both die for lying to Peter and ultimately lying to the Holy Spirit through them. Verse 11 says, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. The church. Now we have this organization of the church that is beginning to be mentioned. Go over to Romans 16 with me. You remember the letter to Romans? Phoebe delivers it to them. Most likely she's a a lady from Corinth or that area. In Romans 16, let me get there, verse 5, it says this, Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Apennatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Just think of the New Testament letters that were actually written to churches. Romans, church. Philippians, church. Colossians, church. The church in Colossae, a church Paul hadn't been to. Colossians is shared with the church in Laodicea. Ephesians, church. Galatians, region of churches, a group of churches. Corinthians, church. Thessalonians, church. Shall I continue? (laughs) You're like, okay, stop. We get it. Titus, not a church. Oh, okay. You're like, okay, what's, what's Gifford about to do here? Timothy, also not a church. Yeah. I hope you're tracking with me on those things. Yes, we know that. And we know that the majority of the New Testament epistles are written to churches, that local con- called out, excuse me, congregation and gathering. Remember, it is Paul that says, I persecuted the churches of God. I persecuted the churches. Who was he persecuting? Local gatherings, people that were meeting together, he would go and disrupt them, even to the point of arresting women and children that were gathering with local churches. Universally, we could say, according to passages like Ephesians 5.25, that there is the global church, which is the global community of Christians, that is the followers of Christ everywhere. So I live in Southern California, but I could leave today, get on a plane, fly to the Midwest, and fellowship at a local church in the Midwest. Or I could leave here, fly to the UK, and in the UK, there are local churches that are gathering as we speak. So universally, we are all part of the body of Christ. So in Ephesians 5, it says Christ loved the church. And I would, I would personally enjoy if that were that he loved my church exclusively, But that's not what the text is saying. Uh, Yes, Jesus does love Faith Community Church in Santa Clarita, but ultimately he loves the universal church, is what Ephesians 5.25 is saying. Or 1 Corinthians 12, that we're members of the church and God has placed us in the universal body of Christ. So when we say universal, some will even say uh, Catholic is the universal church. The Catholic church, before it was its own religion, That term was just used to capture the universal church, which means Christians everywhere, all Christians of all times. But when we speak of it now, it's clear to just say universal instead of saying Catholic. That that comes with too much baggage. So you have universal and you have local. 
the local church is individual churches, not even within a city, but even subcategories most of the time. It's the totality of Christians living and meeting in a particular locality. And so that locality may be part of a larger geographical area, but it's not necessarily going to be the entire geographical area. So for instance, in your city, most likely you have multiple local churches. So instead of saying those are the church of Los Angeles, I'm in LA County, my church is in LA County. Instead of saying I attend the church of Los Angeles, there are actually many good churches within Los Angeles County and each of them would be a local church. That's totally appropriate, by the way. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he is writing to the church at Corinth. When he wrote to the Thessalonians, he wrote to those in that specific city. Philippians, same thing. We know the Bereans were just outside of Thessalonica, and yet Paul does not say this is now the upper Macedonian church. Paul identifies those individual churches. And I think Laodicea in Colossians are other examples, very close to each other in the Laodicean Valley there, and yet still distinct entities. So. When you understand the difference, it means that every one of us, when we were born again, we were placed into the universal church. That happened at the moment of your conversion. So if you are genuinely a follower of Christ, you're in the universal church. But second, you must commit yourself to a local called out gathering. So you see the precedence in the New Testament is that you would meet with a local called out gathering. It is not enough for me to say, I was born again. I'm part of the body of Christ. Smell you later. (laughs) I don't know why you would say smell you later anyways, but it's not enough because I'm called to go into fellowship. Who do I fellowship with by myself? Who's my spiritual lead by myself? Who is practicing one another's by myself? Who is fulfilling the great commission by myself? How do I take the Lord's Supper by myself? How do I baptize myself by myself? You you see some of the, it's just semantically weird. It's ideologically weird to say, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. It's like, yeah, totally. When you're born again, you're in the universal church. But to be faithful, yes, you actually do need a local church to honor the Lord because I don't know how you're going to baptize yourself. I don't know how you're going to commission yourself to the mission field, you know, like there are multiple things that just start to break down that the church is called to function as. So theologically, that sets the stage now. This is what we're called to be. We are called to be part of a local church. And when we were converted, they're all placed into the universal church. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to then begin to pick at streaming church and why that is semantically another category from attending a local church. We'll be right back. Okay, so as we take this break, Dr. Gifford's been sharing some incredibly practical biblical wisdom about church. What is church? It's not virtual. It's not internet. It's not streaming church, but it's kind of probably a bailiwick of mine, but I'll let Dr. Gifford continue to discuss that and we'll get back to him in just a moment. But I wanted to take a moment to highlight a resource that you can find available in the Transformed store right now. One in particular is by Jay Adams and his book, Godliness Through Discipline. Fantastic resource for cultivating spiritual disciplines that will feed you. One of the things that he talks about in the book is 
devotion, and spending time in the Word with God. Not just to study scripture, but to just spend time alone with God, your devotional time. And he says if Christians really understood how important that was, they would be more careful to spend those times profitably. Such times function like spiritual meals that provide nourishment, refreshment, and strength. And that's a powerful concept that he talks about. Godliness through discipline is the name of the book. You can find the book right now on our website in the store at transformed.org. And speaking of the website, while you're there, would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? I know it's something that I ask you to do every week, and I hope you've taken the time to spend some time praying about it because your donations and partnerships help us to continue producing our resources like Transformed and Pro Trip to Truth wretched radio wretched tv and, and we can't do it without you and without your help and without your support so if you would prayerfully consider joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner we would most definitely be grateful to you all of the details and answers to any questions you might have can of course be found at transformed.org and one other thing while you're there our churches are in dire need of more biblical counselors and if you are thinking about that i want to point you in the direction of david pallison's seen with new eyes it's a book you can find in the transformed store on the website while you're there and it is a book that should be on the shelf of every single biblical counselor hands down one of the best introductions to biblical counseling in production period. David Pallison's Seeing with New Eyes at Transformed.org. And now let's get back to the man that we've all come here to listen to, talking about Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues to talk about virtual church. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for all the hard work that you do and keeping us organized. So back to the concept. Biblically, first of all, the church is the called out group of followers of Christ post Acts 2. I'm very comfortable saying that from the scripture, you see that the church is now an organization after the day of Pentecost. And some of you theologically may be like, all right, Gifford, quit pushing your stuff on us. No, I, I just think it's kind of basic to look at in the scripture. That term church is used. And then going forward into the age in which you and I currently live, there are two aspects. There are the universal church and the local church. So now back to the streaming service idea. Okay, so remember in COVID, and it depends on what state you were in or even what country you were in. I know some of you are listening internationally. I think us and Australia, so when I say us, I mean Southern California and California. I think us and Australia faced some of the most severe restrictions. I think the UK and Australia faced a little bit more severe than even Southern California did. And then China was at the very top of most severe restrictions of all time. Uh, China's restrictions lasted upwards of two years for those that were unable to leave and function in a normal life. So what took place during that time is that many church congregations were forbidden from meeting and meeting in close proximity to each other. The way it looked for us in Southern California is there was about seven weeks where we could not meet at all, and then we could meet outside, which is what we did for the better part of nine months. 
But I know in other places, they weren't allowed to meet, quote unquote. And then that welcomes the whole question of, do you disagree? Do you disobey? Like if I'm in Canada, do I buck the system? Yeah, I think those are things that need to be answered on a case-by-case situation. But what took place is people began to stream services in that time as a way of still offering an expositional message and some level of connectivity to the church. Because for the first time, we're now all isolated and we can't see each other. So how are you going to overcome that isolation? You start a streaming service. So streaming, by that I mean a live, real time, the service is going on. You get on Facebook, you get on whatever platform that church is using, and you watch the service real time. Well, over time, people actually kind of liked that. And now there's the mentality, once the in-person services resumed, there are still people that will say, you know what, we're just going to stay home and stream this Sunday. Or I didn't go in person, but I streamed this week. If you watch Transform Season 3, you'll see a couple of people that that's all they do. They stream a service, but they don't go and fellowship anywhere. So a couple of semantic differences. When I say that I'm streaming a service, that is probably a better way of me thinking of it. That's not probably. It is a better way. I am not attending a local church in that context. So if I say, you know what, I'm going to stay home this Sunday and stream service. Okay, that is the equivalent of me pressing play on a YouTube video. But here are some things that are not happening. I am not one anothering people and no one is one anothering me. I am not helping mobilize and give to missions, which is a biblical requirement. I am not being proactively shepherded by a spiritual leader that knows who I am and I humble myself before them. There are multiple reasons why that is not church. There's multiple reasons. So let's say once every seven weeks, you don't feel well, you stay home and you think, well, instead of missing the message altogether, I'm just going to watch the sermon. Totally. Watch the sermon. More power to you. You should. Maybe you're camping with family and once every seven weeks, you're like, you know what? We're all together on a Sunday morning. Let's just listen to the message together while we're out. Great. You are listening to the message, but you are not attending church. So semantically, there's a difference. You cannot be part of the called out gathering when you're not a part of the called out gathering. Do you see? So more power, like watch that content, keep up with pastor sermons, but just note, I'm not going to a local church whenever I zoom in or when I stream it. You are watching a sermon when you do that. Now we could get into the debate of, well, what if there's a real-time chat or what if we pray for each other? What if it's not only that I'm watching a sermon? Yes, but most of the time, that's not the way that it is. Most of the time you click play, you dial in, when it's over, you close your laptop or you turn off your TV and it's done. So yes, there's, there's going to be those minute exceptions for the really large church that has a moderator for the live service. Yes, there are those, but even then you're getting into the one another's spiritual leadership, great commission fulfillment. How are you going to get baptized over Zoom? There's just multiple things that break down via that, that argument for streaming is going to church. So what I would argue for you and what I hope to suggest for you is that Yes, you should feel totally empowered when you miss your local church once every seven to eight weeks, and that's not a biblical law. I'm just saying it's not a regular thing. Then you are saying, I'm going to stream while we're away so I can keep up with what pastor is saying. But that is not me attending local church. So if I am only streaming, I am not part of a local church, and I can't think that way. Even if I mail my check-in, I am not part of a local church. Everyone be careful of this mindset. Be careful of this mindset. 
Let me give you a silly illustration, but hopefully it'll help drive the point home. Here are the counseling implications for this. If the church is the environment and the habitat that we thrive in, some of us are like fish out of water and we are laying on the sidewalk gasping for air. Blah, 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 blah. There's no water, so there would be no bubbles, actually. Why am I struggling so much? Why is my mind a mess? Why are my relationships so strained? I don't know what's going on. And then one of the first questions we ask in biblical counseling is, well, what, what church do you go to? Well, I stream David Jeremiah's church from three states away. It's like, hey, um, step one, ground zero, you need to be in a local church. The local church is God's long-term place for change in your life. Meaning, if you don't have a local church that you're regularly receiving the word, that you're in a fellowship, a two-way street of one anothering with other believers, that you're not being reminded of the atonement of Christ through the Lord's Supper, you're not A, being baptized, or B, uh, participating and supporting the baptism of others, then you are the fish laying on the sidewalk saying, I don't know why I'm struggling so much. Guys, you're missing out. If you're not part of a local church, you're the one that misses out in the end. If you're wondering why your problems seem to be so highlighted and complicated, I'm not saying attending a local church is going to unravel everything that you're facing, but I am saying without a local church, no matter how good the biblical counseling is, those problems will come back over time. When we graduate a person from biblical counseling, we want them to be in a local church where they will receive long-term teaching, one anothering, fellowship, encouragement, which is one of the one another's, and then they are participating in giving, great commission, the ordinances of the local church. So if, if you're thinking about this foundationally, without a local church, I'm destined to fail. I'm destined to fail. My relationships are destined to fail. I will drift. My thoughts will begin to take over. My impulses and feelings will lead me. I need a local church and the local church needs me. So if we're not involved in a local church foundationally in biblical counseling, that's step one. We will make it a homework assignment. Okay, this week we want you to visit a church and to start to lean into fellowship around that area or at that particular church. Next week, if you want to try another church, you can totally do that. Why do we do that? Because we know in biblical counseling, you're the fish laying on the sidewalk right now. And you may be thinking, hey, I just want counseling. I'm having interpersonal conflict and I just need some counseling for that. And we're saying, we get it. We will help you with that. But you need a local church. And when we plop you back into that local church, like taking the goldfish off the sidewalk for the, sur- the first time, excuse me, you're going to be revitalized. You're going to be, in a sense, nourished. You're going to be, in a sense, grounded back into the word. You're going to have other people speaking truth into your life and you're speaking truth into their life. And before long, you'll think, you know what? I don't know if I need counseling anymore. I think I'm good. I'm finding fellowship in my local church. Last thought for you. You would be surprised in counseling that the most severe problems that people are facing are often faced by people that are not significantly connected to a local church. Maybe they're streaming the services. Maybe they show up on a Sunday, but they don't talk to anybody and then they leave. They have no meaningful fellowship, no meaningful one another's. Hear me out on this. God's blessing, the goodness of God in his kindness is that we get to participate in a local church and we don't have to face this alone. What a joy. 
If you've ever moved somewhere and you immediately walked into a local church that was beautiful, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I moved. It would be lonely if I didn't have a local church. When my wife and I moved to Korea, we were able to step into a fellowship in Korea of local believers. And when you experience that joy, you'll realize that God's good plans for the local church are better than our plans. So remember, you stream a service, that's content, that's watching the sermon. But semantically, you are not attending a local church. You still need a local church. I hope this is a a reminder to you and a refresher. And if you're thinking of those that are starting to slip a little bit, maybe they're camping every weekend and calling that local church. Maybe they're actually starting to drift into just watching a, a professional pastor three states away that they love his sermons more than the local guy. I would encourage you to just share this with them, remind them, and then hopefully even some of the semantic and exegetical work we had in segment one will just be a helpful prompt to them. As always, let me pray as we finish today's podcast. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of a local church. And there are local churches that are, it's like an oasis for us. We step in and we are refreshed. Lord, I know that there are some local churches that are a challenge, but I also know that's not true of every local church. That by and large, even my own experience tells me that the local church is the lifeblood of Christianity, that we have a place we can go for teaching, for refuge, for mission, for encouragement, for counseling. So as there are those who are listening to this, I pray they wouldn't fall into the trap of streaming is going to a local church. Lord, help us to prioritize the value of our local church to stream good content, yes, but to see we need to be in a local church with a called out group of believers. Help us to do that. May you be honored in us doing that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 